on that note. Welcome to the Pet Loss Companion. I'm Ken Dolan Del Vecchio, and I'm here with my friend and colleague and co-author Nancy Saxton Lopez. And this is a broadcast that we do live every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Facebook and YouTube. And then it's available for replay there. And it's also available on a number of podcast outlets. So you can find us on Anchor and on Apple Podcasts and many others. And this is this is a program that we are doing because we want to take the work that we delivered through the book, The Pet Loss Companion, Healing Advice from Family Therapists Who Lead Pet Loss Groups, and reach as broad an audience as we can. So this is an effort to take the learning that we gained through many years, many decades, in fact, in Nancy's case of facilitating pet loss support groups and reach as many people as we possibly can. And when we say reach you, we'd also like to talk with you. So please don't hesitate to get in touch with us, to send us notes, to send us stories, to send us suggestions for topics. And as you'll see this evening, we take your notes very, very much into consideration. We're going to read through and, and synopsize some of them. Is that a word, synopsize? I'm not sure. We're, we're going to summarize some of them and, uh, and discuss the, the issues that people are bringing up. You can reach me at KenDDV at gmail.com. And you can reach Nancy at N at Nancy at N Saxton Lopez at csmpc.com. That's N S A X T O N L O P E Z at csmpc.com. We like you to know that this program is a friend of Dakin Humane Society, which is in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dakin is a 501c3 community supported animal welfare organization that provides a whole bunch of services, including shelter, medical care, spay, neuter services, and behavioral rehab for more than 20,000 animals and people each year. And since opening in 1969, Dakin has deservedly become one of the most recognized nonprofit organizations in Central Mass and a national leader in animal welfare. You can learn more and you can give a donation and please consider doing so at DakinHumane.org. That's D-A-K-I-N humane.org. Also, please consider making a donation to support our work. You can do that through a link on the description that appears with the broadcast. And also, if you are watching the program either on YouTube or Facebook, please consider subscribing on YouTube and giving a like. And I think that's our opening, right, Nancy? Yes. We have a little more every time. Let's get a little bit more. So tonight we're going to have actually um, some discussions around some of the emails that we have received. Mm -hmm. um, and um, one of them has been from Melissa and her partner. Um, I love her subject line. It is pet loss story of turning grief and heartbreak into a story of love and positive impact in her community. Um, so Melissa and her partner suddenly lost their emotional support bunny. And they love bunnies and they have rescued bunnies. And all of a sudden their bunny died. Now she did not go into detail about how he or she died. But what she started to talk about was how she would channel their grief, right? And where they had rescued 
their money, they wanted to offer some donations, right? All the donations of the bunnies, you know, bowls and food and all that. But what they also did was go on social media mm-hmm. and they asked for donations and the rescue and the sanctuary, I think it, I think it's called, did receive quite a few donations. It's quite a great idea and a great story and incredibly gratifying for them. They talked about how that was so helpful. So there, there is this lesson here, I think, that when we're stressed, when we're grieving, it can be helpful to give, to be generous. I mean, it depends on the particulars. It depends on your temperament. It depends on where you are in the in the process of grieving. But it's something to keep in mind that being generous and 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 giving can be a testament and also can be gratifying. And they sent videos and pictures right. of quite quite a place. This sanctuary. They have a lot of a lot of money. Yeah, and very so very really, sweet. Really, and, and really so- interesting. So nice for them because they they really got, like you said, a lot of satisfaction with helping this yep. sanctuary, you yep. know. And you know, social media is is quite a platform now to be able absolutely. To and it's just so it's very touching to see their story. It's also very touching to see the video. One of the videos is of their bunny nuzzling. Them. It's just very, very sweet, very sweet. So, yeah. and we really appreciate that because, because you know, grief is hard. But in this case, with Melissa and her partner, it it made it it made it some meant more to them almost yeah. to be able to memorialize their bunny um, to give back to those in need. So, yep. Yep. it's very cool. So the next story, I'm going to read through this note. Because it's very detailed and it tells a story that I think will touch many people because in the details, you will probably, you will probably see your own experience or something close to it as well. And it's sent to us by a man named Nathan. And so he writes, my name is Nathan and I've been listening to your podcast over the last two weeks for comfort, guidance, and just overall support. I wanted to share the story of my red, white, Siberian Husky Ryu, pronounced Ryu, who I lost on January 20th per the difficult decision of euthanasia and how the grief that has struck me since. The story of my baby boy and I goes back to February 2014 when I decided I wanted a dog, the first dog to own on my own without being a family dog. So here again, right from the beginning, we're seeing that this new era in this, in this man's life. And, and so he says, I always wanted to have a Husky and I'd researched the breed, made sure I was ready to do all the necessary things to take care of such a breed. I was in contact with a retired military man who had a Husky that gave birth to a few pups. I was interested in a traditional black and white one. But when I arrived, I had picked up the black and white one, but didn't feel a connection. There was one red white that caught my eye. And as I picked him up, he embraced my hands with his front paws and pulled my fingers into his face. I knew he was the one. That's right. They pick us. He came home with me on February 27th, 2014. I made a promise on my drive to the vet to get him checked out. 
I said I would always protect him and make sure he was safe and cared for. That promise was dear to me throughout his entire life. I cared for him like a newborn for the first few months. I played a heartbeat off my phone when he was in his kennel next to my bed at night and woke up every two hours to let him outside to use the restroom. Puppies are a lot of work. Yes, they are. <laughs> when I would leave for work, I'd set up his kennel and everything in the bathroom and have soft music playing to keep his anxiety down. And I would check on him during my lunch hour. I believe this routine helped him become the calm, well-behaved, loving husky as he grew into his adult years. He loved his walks and we had a great routine down. I'd say every year from 2014 to 2021, we walked 95% of the days of the year. I made him my priority always, making sure he was exercised. We spent playtime together, went on ventures. He had the best, healthiest food and his vaccinations and checkups throughout the year and even had a dental cleaning once a year. I wanted to do all that I could so he could have a long, healthy life and we could have a long, healthy life together. That all changed on Wednesday, January 19th, 2022. The morning started off as normal. He woke up around 5.30 as usual. I got up, washed up, went to the kitchen, started my coffee, and he got his morning treat. He was fine. I work from home, so I started work. Around 9 a.m., I heard scratching at the door or on the floor. I, I misread that. Like he was struggling to get up. I walked over to the living room and there he was. He had fallen over and he had, he was having difficulties getting up. Once he did, he kept leaning to the right and his right side was so weak, his feet would slip and he would fall over again. The immediate sense of fear hit me with atomic force. I immediately called the vet and they recommended an emergency vet. So I took him there within the hour. They took him back and I waited a while as they did their triage and the vet came to talk to me and said, it's definitely neurologically caused possibly by an infection. So it would start all the precautionary medications overnight. The neurologist would be in the next morning and would run additional tests and an MRI. The doctor did call me later that evening and said Ryu was having seizures. So they had to start that medication, but he was stable. It wasn't looking good at all. The next morning, I received a call from the neurologist and frankly mentioned she worried about Ryu. Things are not looking well. He went from having trouble walking the day before to completely paralyzed. Thursday morning, he couldn't even lift, lift his head up. I felt so helpless. I felt so scared. What's going on with my baby boy? And so suddenly, I mentioned moving ahead with the MRI to determine what was going on. I went back to the vet hospital in the afternoon and I was seen by the neurologist. She showed me Ryu's MRI and there was a significant portion of the right side of his brain inflamed. And the doctor said, most likely meningiocephalitis that just went undetected. Ryu never showed any signs of this in the months, weeks, and days leading up to the crisis. He had gone to the vet in November 2021 for a checkup on his paw. He was getting an infection between his toes, but the doctor gave him antibiotics and the infection went away. But he also had a one-time incident of nystigmus, rapid eye movement, but that was fine afterwards as well. When I asked the vet, they said, just keep an eye on it. And he never had an episode again or any other sign of imbalance on, or issues that would have alerted me to an issue. They did blood work and everything and no signs of anything. This thing was just lurking in the dark the whole right. time. When they rolled him inside the waiting room, I completely broke down. He was completely paralyzed except for 
pacing his front paws back and forth and wouldn't stop. It was almost a neurological tick he couldn't control. He would only respond to me for a split second when I would call his name, his ears moved. And he was just staring ahead, his tongue was sticking out. He was completely not him at all. He was there, but not there. Every piece of me ached and broke. This wasn't Ryu, what happened to him? What did I miss? I had asked the vet, what were his chances? She said, not good. He's not able to get up. He's not eating or drinking and definitely not able to use the restroom on his own. She was really shocked at how hard it hit him and how fast he went and continued to go downhill. Part of me said, what if I give him one more day? Maybe the aggressive medications will make him well again and he can come home and everything will be back to normal. The vet said that was an option, but the chances weren't good and he wouldn't be the same. And in fact, it's paralyzed. Then it hit me that if I did leave him in the state he was in and declining, he would pass away alone during the night without me. All the stages of grief were hitting me on this runaway train in this instance. My anxiety was through the roof. My Fitbit thought I was in an intense workout. Yeah. My heart knew I couldn't do that to him, especially the shape he was in. And he was doing a bit of a whine, so not sure if he was in pain. Anxiety, just wanting to get out of there. I have no idea. I, it was killing me to see him this way. I didn't want to make the decision as it would pain me beyond belief, but I did. I said the best thing for him was to release him out of this hell. The vet came in with the solution and Ryu was whining bad, which made this worse for me as I knew he was in pain, but I tried to comfort him the best I could. I rubbed his face where he loved, kissed his nose where he loved, and told him I cannot go where you're going right now, but I will still go on our walks in honor of you, and I told him I loved him. Then broke down as he slipped away from me. Looking at him afterwards, lifeless, was gut-wrenching, and the grief struck immediately. My baby boy was gone from me. He had just turned eight years old on January 10th. He was my best friend, my best companion. I am single and live alone. So this was impact has impacted me greatly. The grief is immense, but also is the guilt. I went through the would have, could have, should have. Why didn't I take the nystigmas more seriously and ask for a second opinion? Ryu was running around playing with me in his favorite ball, all normal on Tuesday, even the days before. Then Wednesday hit and our world turned upside down. Why didn't I see something earlier? Was there something? Did I miss it? Something I wasn't paying attention to? Why didn't he show me there was a problem? All these questions hit me every day. They bogged me down incredibly. I've cried daily telling him I failed him, that I broke that promise I made when he first came home. I failed to protect him. Then the guilty thoughts that I killed him, that I didn't give him enough chance to fight it. All these feelings are just weighing me down with tremendous force. As the days have gone by, there are ups and downs with these feelings. Some days they diminish, some days they're stronger than ever. It's hard as a single person living alone. And Ryu was my only pet. It's very empty. All the routines I learned with him throughout the years fall flat. What do I do with those times? I still wake up at 5.30 expecting to walk him to walk into the room, hearing his paws on the hardwood floor. I expect him to walk into my office every day at 4.30, waiting for me to get up and ready for our walks. When I eat, I look to the left, waiting to see if he's there in his funny stance, waiting for a bite from my plate. Mm. When I open the door and he's outside in the back, there 
he, he pokes his head through the doggy door wondering what's going on when he's taking in the cool weather. I live in Texas outside on the back patio. I adore his regalness majesty. All those were taken away in an instant, that monster illness lurking in the dark. I loved Ryu with all my heart, and I wish I could have had him for the long life I was hoping he'd have. He was an amazing dog, so gentle, caring, loving, and yes, even obedient, not always the case with Huskies. I will love and cherish my time with him always, and I go on our walks as I think about all the spots he stopped to smell, used the restroom to observe the neighborhood cats. I received his ashes and clay paw plate on 131.22 and have set up a memorial area for him. He will always be the one special pet I will always remember. So Wow, that's a lot. I'm glad you read it because there's so many facets to this. Yeah. Um, the we first, have a comment that oh, we do. Grant is saying this story echoes everything Rudy and I still go through after Freddie's passing, which Aldo came after a wonderful, which came after a wonderful last day. Also, also came after a wonderful last day. Autocorrecting that's, that's can what, be difficult. That's what we know though, right? Animals do not necessarily tell us how sick they are until it's too late. And also we don't really know, like we don't know if that nystigmas had anything to do with this, right? We don't really know, but we jump to conclusions, right? We try to make sense of things where we don't have we don't know. We a don't clear have, understanding. We don't know. We don't have that understanding. And so that's, but that becomes part of the guilt, right? And yeah. obviously Nathan is really suffering from a lot of guilt. And he did everything known to mankind. Well, always, I mean, we've yeah. said this a number of times and he really illustrates it. It's the people who do way above and beyond. And we hear hearing from Brandt here in, in a message and we've communicated with him through the last few weeks. I mean, these are people who do above and beyond and uh, way above and beyond in many cases. I mean, wonderful and, things. And it's just so painful because there really is this, this experience that the more love you give, the more grief you're likely to feel. Yeah. It, it really does come down to this sense that the grief is the cost of having loved and they seem to balance in a way. But maybe we can spend a little bit of time talking about being single yeah, and alone. not having anybody. And so I did, I did respond. I, I sent, I sent Nathan some thoughts uh, and uh, I, I hope that that was helpful, but maybe we can just talk a bit, a bit more about it. And, and one of the things that, that I said to him is, you know, social support is, is important, whether we're in a partnership or we're in a large family situation or whether we're living alone. And if we don't have dear friends who are going to be respectful of this loss. And that's a really important part of this exactly. because not everybody is, not everybody seems equipped to understand this loss. Then you want to find some kind of venue for support, whether it is a therapist or an online group or some kind of social support. If that feels like something you need, because some people really don't, that isn't the thing for them, but for many, many, many people, some kind of social support where I can be heard and validated and, and affirmed as I am talking about the very 
the pain that I'm going through. Well, especially when it's just you and your animal. Yep. I mean, yep. it's it's such an intensive loss because yep. they're the world is is for them is so small, right? It's just the two of them. Yep. And so the loneliness has got to just be you smash you. You know, yeah. that, like he was going through, I'd get up, he's not there, or he, he's not, he doesn't go inside, he doesn't poke his head through, through the little, the little door, he, you know, all of these things that was part of the tapestry of their lives together, mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that bond, that human mm -hmm. animal bond. And so I can imagine that the grief is just, he doesn't know what he, like he said, he doesn't know what to do with it. He, yep. It's it's so heavy for him. Yep. And and he is doing. I mean, he's doing some really important things in that he is he is following through with some rituals that are memorializing yes. their time together. So he's taking walk. walks. Mm -hmm. He's pausing where Ryu always paused, and he's mm -hmm. remembering. And so he's doing things that are that are helping him to integrate the change. Right. And there may be other things he can do, like maybe writing. I mean, obviously he's somebody who writes right. well and well, in a very cool. coherent way. And so it may be helpful for him to do more writing about the loss that he's- Like writing a letter to his animal, right? Yep. Writing a letter yep. to yep. his beautiful boy and saying what he his feelings about him. Yep. Um, you know, that that could be helpful. Um, and and I, I like that he takes those walks because it brings him closer, mm -hmm. you know, yep. to it, this beautiful husky. And he, and he sent pictures and he was such a beautiful, beautiful dog. Beautiful dog. You could see the, the intelligence yeah. in his eyes. You could just see it. And uh, so, and, and anything that he can do to just take care of himself, so. which is always at the very center of healing is to just take care of yourself. So, so to keep, maybe to keep the same routine, to get up at 5.30 and to right. make his coffee and to get washed up and to, and to maybe go for a walk, you know, do whatever will keep him active and engaged in his own life. He, he works from home and that can be very isolating. Well, yeah. And that's even well. more difficult, I mean, right? Everybody, it's like so many people now who, if right. you have the capacity to work from home, most people are doing it because of the pandemic. And well, the other you the other thing with home is that it was he didn't have any space away from Ryle, right? I mean right. that he didn't they were together all the time. Yep. yep. And so you know that we've had that even with couples. If someone is, is working from home or living at home and the other spouse and the spouse or partner or whatever is out of the house, the grief for the one who spent the every waking moment with that animal was a little bit different. Yeah. Well, the, the, one of the comments I made to Nathan is there are many people who are in fact living with other people, whether the other people are a spouse, a partner, a dependent, maybe a a dependent for whom we care for, or even just a you know roommate. There may be, and that person or those people are not in the same kind of a relationship 
with the animal companion who's been lost and they can be terribly alone mm-hmm. in some cases even feel more alone than if they were living a single lifestyle because they're they may be in the presence of people who don't get it or that's right or even or don't, un- don't understand yeah. don't really want to have too much kind of worried about or kind of concerned yeah, really. i mean what's the matter with you judging How do you feel this way <laughs> Yeah. And so it, but, but it, it's, it's one of those things where, and also we have another, we have a comment from Grant saying he didn't, he doesn't know what he'd do if he weren't with his husband, Rudy, who could share his grief. I mean, many people are, are fortunate like Grant and Rudy to have each other. Mm-hmm. And that can be so, so. Yeah, the two so of them are knowledge. together though, right? I mean, meaning yeah. Rudy and Grant, I mean, I think they had different, a little bit of different ways of grieving, but yep. they both loved loved Freddie, yeah. right? They, yeah. that Freddie was their child. And yeah. so, but if you are married to someone like way back when we had Badger, right? When the gentleman who came in and he said his wife oh. doesn't really, didn't really care about the dog, you know? In fact, saw the dog as sort of a competitor in some ways, which exactly. that may have been so. I mean, we're not going to cast any, right. any judgment on that, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, it can be very hard. It can be very hard. But most people, you, it, it can be very helpful to find some kind of support. And this right. is the kind of situation where you should not hesitate to seek Reaching. the help of an understanding and competent therapist, because we all deserve to have help when we need it. And there's no shame in that. It's not something that we should feel bad about. I mean, there's so much in the culture that tells us tells us that we should go it alone, and particularly tells men that. And yeah. you know, it depends on or certain cultures. You, yeah, what what subculture you're in? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Sometimes how old you are, you know, can it can vary. Yeah. So I mean, so oh, hold on. I got boogie's got to leave. Hold on. <laughs> Boogie is one of Nancy's dogs. Right. Hi. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> when you got to go, when you got to go, you got to go. Got to go. Um, but y- yeah, I mean, so it's the other thing is, is that across the country, there may not be so many resources. So, yeah. you know, we just got, you know, an email from one young woman and she, she, she I said, listen, I will try to find some places because sometimes in grieving people don't know where to look or how to, how to manage that. And so I was able to pull up, she lived in a city um, in Ohio. So I was able to pull up some information. Oh, that's great. That's so, um, but people can pet, petloss.net and petloss.com um, or the APLB are websites that will give some information on resources. It's so um, and it can be an online yes. meeting. There and are it can some, be an online meeting, correct. There are some, I believe there are beginning to be some Zoom meetings online. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably going to be more resources in the near future as people get more just get more interested and focused on delivering this sort of support mm-hmm. through this kind of technology. But there are some already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it, we we really appreciate Nathan's um, you know email and his yep. story um, as well as Melissa's. But you know N- yes, Nathan, it's important to try to he he's getting solace in his way, which is good doing doing the walks, 
you know, kind of being reflective, um, you know, having the ashes and, and, but um, it's also okay for him to reach out to talk to somebody or to be involved in a group. Um, so I, if, if he can do, I think that that's what you had, you had indicated yeah. to him. Yeah. And, and, and certainly feel free to keep us posted. Yeah. On please. How you're doing. Feel like Branton is now, you know, and, talking and to others us have online, as which well. is great. Yeah, and others have as well. Just, you know, we're happy to hear from you and how you're making progress. I guess we should end there, Nancy, and we'll probably con continue with some of these stories. Yes, we have quite next a few week. other stories. So, yeah. you know, we will talk about them next week. Yeah. Um, and please send us anything you need to, like Ken said before, questions, stories, thoughts, what you're looking to. Like Nathan said, please talk about somebody who's single you know, um, and so we hope we address that for him. But any questions you guys have? Yep. All right, Nancy, always great seeing you to the extent that I can see you now that you're in New Jersey and I'm in Massachusetts, but. <laughs> we sort of, we see each other. <laughs> yeah, all right, take care. All right, bye everybody. Bye everybody.